Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean library, a den, an outdoor lanai, and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in, and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson at greenviewconstruction.com, or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. 
Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to our regular season edition of Three Yards Per Carry. We made it. Okay, it's been months. It, it feels like years, but we finally made it. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order. And as always, I'm pretty sure you were thinking, you know, I, I would really like to get Miami minus two and a half against the Patriots on Sunday. But, you know, that's no longer possible because all the books have it around three and a half. Not if you go to better edge, though. Because if you go to better edge, okay, not only do you put betteredge.com slash five reasons, the number five reasons, and you get $20 to sign up. Just to sign up, you get $20. But you, since it's an, an exchange, you can ask for two and a half. And somebody might fill you for two and a half against the New England Patriots, which I think will be a great bet. But as always, Better Edge. We are brought to you by Better Edge, B E T T O R edge.com slash five reasons get twenty dollars just to sign up hello simon hello Alf. hello chris hello we made it we made it simon and i guess i'll start here um it's been a pretty long but i think we're pretty happy with what they did in the off season you can't fix everything really they did enough in my opinion we'll start here how will this team win what is going to be their calling card what are their strengths Simon? Um, I think they'll win with strong defense. I think they'll win with good special teams. And hopefully they win with a good offense. I mean, they've got, you know, they've built this team around this kid. So it's now, you know, it's put up or shut up time, really. Um, I think it's an incredibly important season for the quarterback. And it's, you know, and if it doesn't work, I suspect it'll be his last season um, in Miami. And, um, but there's a big opportunity. I'm as excited about this team as I've maybe been for the Dolphins in 20 years. Um, and those of you who listen to the podcast in a long time know, that, know that's pretty special. Um, <laughs> the English guy's getting excited. Um, you, you, you sound excited. I mean, I mean, to be fair, mate, it's <laughs> 10 past 12, and I've had to listen to you two <laughs> on before we started recording. Um, so it's all right for you at eight minutes past seven in the evening. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I am excited. I'm, I'm excited. I think they'll, it, you know, if they win. They win with high-powered offense, with speed. Um, I think it's critical that the running game gets going. I think it's critical that the quarterback stays healthy. Um, and, you know, I was interested in what the coach said today about, you know, for example, Norig Benogane, and it's clear that he has huge amount of faith. And, um, you know, he talked about how young he was and the fact that he's younger than most of the rookies that we just drafted. And it does make you think a little bit about role and responsibility of young players especially a guy who really only played a year and a bit in college at cornerback so um so yeah interesting times exciting times it's just annoying that we're we're stuck in such a you know a really powerful conference at the moment but um you know I think if we're in the NFC you'd be dreaming really big potentially so you know some things can fall into place for this team and they could go a long way yeah I completely agree with you on that on that and what you said about the NFC you start looking up and down the NFC not to reveal what you're going to do what we're going to do later on in the show, but you can make a case for about 11 teams that could come out of nowhere and find themselves in the championship game in the NFC, in the AFC, there's, there's a pretty strong group and that strong group extends past the seven playoff teams. 
in my I think if you're in, the, if you're in the NFC, I think you could make a legitimate case for the Dolphins. You could say that they could get to the NFC Championship game if things fell into place, injuries weren't an issue, and the quarterback played well. Genuinely, I think that. Um, yeah, I believe that. I, 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 I don't think I believe that for the AFC necessarily. But then look, you know, who was tipping the Bengals last year and look what happened there. So maybe mm. it's a fairy tale run. Uh, you know, I, I think the most important thing is that I think that, you know, the Dolphins are one of the teams that has a chance. Do you know what I mean? If you're sat there and you're the, you know, you're the, I can't even think of a team, you're the Jets or you're the, um, the Falcons, you, you don't have a chance. I think the Dolphins have a legitimate chance. And I don't think there's that many teams in the league that you would say you've got a legitimate chance. You know, it may only be a 15% chance to win the Super Bowl. Well, they've got a chance. If they won the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be like, this is the most amazing story in the history of sport. They, they've got a chance. They've got to act on that chance now. Yeah, you could see the the path before Chris answers the question. I, you could see the path, and you know you could make the case. Okay, they do this, they do that, they do the other thing, and yeah, you know, a break here, a break there. They're in the Super Bowl. Like you can do that this year when you couldn't before. I think, and to answer the question before Chris does. They'll win with the same formula that they had on defense the last two years, turning it over, getting pressure on the quarterback, and then the offense is going to have a better-than-average running game and the play-action passing. And I really do believe this. It's proven so far in the preseason on, what was it, like five play-action attempts where he was perfect. But I really do believe, just like Jared Goff was, what was it, three years ago, I think Tua Tungabaloa will lead the league in passer rating out of play-action this year. Because I think it's going to be a feature of the offense. I think he's going to put up good numbers out of play action. What does that bode? You know, what does that say for the future? Well, I don't know. You know, the Rams did get rid of Jared Goff and replace them with Matthew Stafford because they felt it wasn't enough. But I think it'll be enough this year for a pretty exciting year. I think that's how they'll win. All right, Chris, how do they win? What's the strength uh, of this team? They have a they have a front running defense. Yeah, so um, so they're they're gonna be in good position when the offense actually goes ahead and gets a lead early in the games. Um, and that's going to be the most comfortable place for this defense, the way that it is built. Uh, it, is, it is built to, I mean, it, it is it is a defense whose identity is blitzing like almost every third down and, uh, you know, coming with almost everybody on the defense and sitting back there with just four guys. And, um and that's their that's their identity. I know, and some people want to ask. They do ask the question all the time. You know, when Byron Jones go, gets back, um, you know, they might blitz. But like with Byron Jones gone in the first four weeks, are they going to just not blitz? They're going to they're going to play coverage. And I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think they learned their lesson last year. I think that their identity as a defense is when they when they are attacking uh, with everybody. I think it gets everybody amped up on the defensive side of the ball, which gets them, you know, flying to the ball and uh, and you know, and swarming. And I think that that's uh, that's where they want to be. And ultimately, uh, it's 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 the kind of defense that you want. Like this is this is going to look a bit. This is to me. This is going to look a bit like the Rams in 1999. I'm not saying they're going to be the greatest show on turf, and they're going to be that great on offense. I'm just saying, like the Rams back in 1999, 
were a team that yes, they, they were, they, they were a great offense. So they, they were passing the ball to very speedy rece- receivers with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and as Um, but their defense on the defensive side of the ball, they had this big turnaround from one year to the other because of the front running, uh, that they were able to accomplish. And I think that that's, that's where the defense will hold up, you know, with its strengths and, um, and on the offensive side of the ball, I'm, you know, part of me is, is going to say they have, well, first off, we're all Miami fans. So we all want them to prove it before we believe anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but I, I think the big part of me that wants them to prove it is actually about the run game. Uh, they're going to have to prove it to me. I, I know that I know what Mike McDaniel can do, you know, uh, with a run game and designing a run game but I don't think that he was able to spend the sort of time designing a a creative and, you know, highly intelligent ground attack for these games that um, as a head coach, the same as he was with the 49ers when he was an assistant, you know, there's, there's stories about how, you know, he could, just go away for basically like three days in a cave with, with film and then emerge with, you know, with these, um, these ideas. He can't do that as the head coach. He's been, he, you can tell just by, you know, what he's been doing all over the place and all the people that he talks to and, and stuff like that. He is, he makes himself available for everywhere. So I feel like he might be spread thin And, um, and so I don't, you're going to have to prove to me that that run game will work with this offensive line um, with the additions of Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, that, that, that that's going to be enough along with like Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds to actually get the kind of ground game that they're talking about when they talk about, you know, having 50%, like a 50, 50, almost a 50, 50 split of run and pass. I'm not going to believe that until I see it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, but the good news is I don't know that they need that because I do think that they're built a little bit like the Rams with the speed at the wide receiver position. Maybe maybe not the Kurt Warner 1999 Rams, but at least the Mark Bulger Rams. You know, I, I think that they're um, I think that they are they're built that way. It's it's a lot. It's going to look a lot like as or as Hakeem and, and Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt with the wide receivers that Miami has. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, they tried to expand on Mike Gesicki's abilities as a tight end. And at some point, you know, when the games didn't count, they tried to expand it. And now when the games do count they they might fall into a more comfortable role, role with him. I wouldn't be surprised all of a sudden he becomes, you know, productive again, you're like, oh, well, there's Mike Kosicki. There he is, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I think that, I think that the good news is that they are built to be able to throw the ball all over the place and to hit short passes and get a lot of run after catch and, and then to play action bomb the hell out of, out of defenses. Um, and, and I think that studies have shown over time that it is a fallacy that you know that that the run game has to be strongly established before play play action works. That's not necessarily true. Um, so I think that you're right about the play action passing and the overall efficiency with Tua. But um, but I think that uh, there's going to probably be a little bit more passing. And 
until they prove it with the running game, I think there's going to be a lot, there's going to be more passing, particularly short passing to sub in for the run. Um, then, then maybe some people are thinking with, you know, with Mike McDaniel's reputation, and I think it's going to be get out early and then the defense attack, attack the hell out of the other side. And I think it's going to work. I think they're going to have a, a good record. I think they're going to be in the playoffs and I think they're going to get at least one playoff win. Yeah. Uh, that's toward the end of the show, but I tend to agree with pretty much all of it. Simon, you know, this wouldn't be a, a season preview or a preview of the first game against the New England Patriots at home, but we're not going to talk about the quarterback. Uh, a lot has been said about Tua Tungavaloa, and some of it is just you know straight up bullshit. But one thing is for for true. You know, one thing is for real. Okay, there is pressure. There is expectations. He has to do. He can't. He, you know, he can't go tits up. Like you know, he cannot fall flat on his face. Like he has to be able to move this offense. What what's you know what does he need really? to have the type of season that that we all expect them to have because i think confidence and support could be enough what would say you no i mean what does that even mean confidence and support i mean we were i have tyreek hill and jalen waddle and i trust them instead of Devontae parker and isaiah ford but i think like i, I don't really understand this argument like we we and I know you two are going to come back at me on this, but like the way that he gets babied the whole time, I think adds to the whole sort of, oh, Brian Flores wasn't very nice to him and he was thrown to Isaiah. For, I mean, no, last year he still had Mike Gesicki and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker, who, Alf, on this podcast 18 months ago, you were arguing with me that he was an elite wide receiver. So, you know, we've got to have it. We, we can't cut it, you know, we've got to slice the cake fairly and evenly. I, I, I think what, I expect from him this year is uh, a significant step up. They have surrounded him with talent. They've in to the best of their ability, tried to protect him, whether that holds up on the right side remains to be seen. Um, but certainly the weapons, the run game, a coach who, you know, is, is designing an offense around him, the left tackle, etc., uh, etc. Et what I expect from him is wins in terms of his ability to lead a team to win, which I haven't seen on any sort of basis, least of all a consistent basis. He has played down to the opposition at times. You take the Tennessee game last season, I need to see him play up in the big games. I need to see him win big games by putting the team on his shoulders and doing that consistently. I don't really care about numbers. Like People say, well, if he throws for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, does that mean he has a successful season? Well, maybe, but what if he throws 90 interceptions or what if the team finishes 0-16? You know, the history is littered with quarterbacks who've had big seasons throwing lots of yards, but, you know, they haven't actually played particularly well. It's a bit like the Trayvon Diggs situation. You know, he had, what, 10 picks last year or whatever, but didn't actually play very well as a cornerback. If you actually watch the film, he wasn't a very good cornerback in terms of his coverage ability. Um, so I, th I think that's what I want from him. I just need to see a step up an improvement in all facets of the game. I know he can do it because we've seen him do it at Alabama. We've seen him do it in fits and starts in Miami. He just needs to take that next step. And everything has been provided for him. Everything touch wood has gone really well. He's had a strong preseason. He's had a strong camp. He feels like a leader. He's a team captain. He's all these things. But as I've said, you know, in our um, only fins forum, which is three pounds and three dollars a month, um, but as I've consistently said, the only the only person that's ever going to change this national narrative, the only person that's going to stop Chris Perkins saying he's getting a clean slate, but he's terrible. He's the only person that's going to stop the endless seg segments on Get Up. The only person that's going to stop all of this 
you know, him being ranked behind Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota on the Ringers quarterback chart. He's the only person that can stop it. We can sit and pontificate all we like. We can fill up Twitter and message boards and Reddit and TikTok and every other social media outlet you want to with, with conjecture. The only person who's going to change it is him. And I hope that he does. And I think that he will, but he's got a, you know, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and he's got to take a big step. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. You know, we need to see him play 16 games at the best of his ability because he's got all the tools around him to do it. So fingers crossed he can. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm pretty sure that I said that Devontae Parker had an elite season in 2019, which I do believe. Okay. But I did disown him last year when he got on the injury report for yet but, another but, time. You know, he, he still had, he still had talent to throw to. You know, that's the, he wasn't throwing to you, me, and Chris. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was throwing to Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki. Half Devonte Parker missed half the snaps. I mean, but but we're talking about how many how many snaps? I'm, I'm just like tallying it up right now. I think it's this is looking like a total of a thousand snaps for the likes of Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford, Mac Collins, and Albert Wilson. So that's you know one one of your guys one of the guys that you're throwing to on every snap of the game is basically one of one of those guys who aren't are they are any of them in the league right now I don't know Preston Williams Collins. signed with the the Panthers Matt Collins is the number three receiver in in with the Raiders behind Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro so you know he was no mug either Well the, wait didn't he get cut earlier and, and then and then brought back like absolutely not. Uh, I was pretty sure that he got cut. Um, not Albert not Wilson right was now, the guy that got cut and Albert then cut. went on to another team. Oh, um, Albert Wilson, yeah, Collins, whatever. But yeah, Collins. A lot of the time that Tua was in the game was basically the Z receiver. Um, was the uh, the deep the deep receiver. Uh, but I think that it's it's more than just who he was throwing to, uh, Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki. It's the offensive line, which was clearly one of the worst that we've ever seen in Miami. And it was the offensive triumvirate of hell situation of uh, of who the play caller is. Which I I mean we've we've all heard the stories that it was an absolute shambles behind the scenes in the offensive game planning and in the meeting rooms with all of the guys that are in, that are quote unquote in charge outwardly disagreeing with one another about what the strengths of the team are and how, what the game and therefore what the game plan should be. And so they go into these, these games, not no, not really having a, uh, a cogent plan. Uh, and so I think that uh, I think that, yeah, it, support looks like a staff that are one all on the same page and led correctly. I think support looks like two actually having an offensive line that can give any amount of time whatsoever to pass the ball. And three, I think, you know, having receivers that actually get on the field and play well and not have receivers that look good on paper. You know, I think that that's what support looks like, but we also know Tua, and there's another aspect of Tua and, you know, some people are going to use this against him and that's okay. But we know from his time at Alabama, there's always, there have always been whispers. There have always, there's always been talk that this is, this is kind of an emotional kid. This is a kid that can get down you know, this is a, or he was a kid that could get down. He was a guy that, um, that needed 
needed yeah he you say you say he needed uh you know he needs babying well who's a bigger fucking baby in the league than Aaron Rodgers okay i mean some of the best quarterbacks in the league need babying all right and the support in this case looks like a set of coaches that outwardly publicly and privately believe in him and our full go surrounding him in his style and, and for the, the, the best way to structure the offense around him with the best weapons. And, and that's, what, that's what support looks like. And that's where you see the confidence in him this offseason. He's a totally different guy now. And you can say, well, that's on him. That's his own failing. He, didn't, he, shouldn't, he, shouldn't, have needed, he shouldn't have needed coaches that, uh, that say all the right things publicly and privately to him. He should have been able to play awesome with Brian Flores trying to replace him every single week of the offseason and the regular season. He should have been able to overcome that. Well, you know, most other quarterbacks, they don't um, uh, overcome that. Most other quarterbacks, when they catch wind that they're trying to be or that their team is trying to replace them, you know what they do? They quit. They don't play another down for that team. Think about like Jay Cutler in Denver when he found out that Josh McDaniels uh, phoned up the Patriots about Matt Castle. You know, think about, you know, there's a recent example of Matt Ryan. Think about Baker Mayfield when he found out, about the, the, found out the, the Deshaun Watson thing. Jimmy Garoppolo. Most, most of these guys do not. They quit right there and, and then and they don't play another down. They demand to be traded. They pout. They whine. I mean. When, when Aaron Rodgers, when they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers threw a fucking hissy fit like a baby, you yeah, know? Sorry, and when, when, did he, when did he do that? He didn't throw a hissy fit at he, all. He was, he was privately throwing a hissy fit, according, according to, uh, to people behind the scenes. I, I don't think and and, and did, I saw him do did, it publicly. I saw him pouting did, publicly about it. When did, well, and he turned around and was league MVP, you mean? Yes, he did, because he gets motivated when, when did, by that shit. When did, Jim, when did Jimmy Garoppolo quit? Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, refused to show up to camp no, he didn't. this year. He was no, under he contract. Didn't. No, he was told not to show up for camp. And was he wasn't told not to. They mutually, they mutually when, agreed for him. So mutually. So he didn't quit. It was mutual. That's, no, it's mutual, right? You he just had, said mutual. Is, so is he going to play another down for the San Francisco 49ers unless Trey I mean, they just signed into the biggest. They just signed to the biggest backup contract of all time. So I would suspect that if Trey Lance doesn't play particularly well, they're going to put him in to save their job. Anyway, we're pontificating about stuff that's happened already. Like, aren't we looking forward to the season now? Well, what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that in these other cases, in all these other cases, these guys didn't play another down. They just They just stopped. And Tua Tungvaluwa kept playing. He kept his mouth shut. He didn't pout in public. You know, maybe he went golfing. I don't know. That's like, that's like the weakest form of, uh, of, of throwing a temper tantrum that I've ever heard. Um, and, and so he, and he played decently well with bad surroundings. And so, and we're going to sit here and we're going to be like, you know, oh, well, you know, poor baby didn't get coddled by the, by the coach. No, I mean, he was, he was, they were trying to replace him. This co- his coach was trying to replace him every single week, you know? And, and I think that, yeah, to, to sit here and say that that didn't have an effect on him, it may not be convenient because it's an unquantifiable thing, but it still almost certainly had an effect on his performance. 
And now he, now we talk about when Alf says support, this is what support means. It means coaching staff that actually believe in him, that actually uh, form coherent plans around him. And, and then, you know, march out there with him as their guy, you know, that's what support means in addition to the personnel upgrades. So I think that, yeah, I think that this is, I mean, this is, this is uh, something that people just don't have the, the patience with these guys anymore. You know, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, like Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees until LaDainian Tomlinson started going ham, you know, and, and Russell Wilson uh, in, in infamously had his doubters until uh, he, until they no longer had Marshawn Lynch running all over people because they didn't ask him to do much. They didn't ask to Tom Brady to do much early in his career with the Patriots. All these guys were given either supporting cast or time or both to establish themselves. But we don't let that happen with Tua Tungvaloa for some reason. And I think that now we're seeing it happen this year. And, and so we're going to see how it plays out. We're going to see, we're going to see what, what, um, whether he is able to run this offense, like, you know, like a sports car, like we all think that it could be, but, um, but yeah, that's the support matters. And I I think that I I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo poo it like that. I I just, I just don't see that. I think excuses and the babying if he fucks it up. Well, I think having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the outside is more important than than the support. I think that supports himself. That's that's the confidence. I have those guys. I can throw to those guys. I trust those guys. And I think Tua is one of those. Like like Chris said once, Tua is more of a feel quarterback. He plays the game a little bit more personally and less analy- analytically. Uh, I think having those guys j- makes all the difference in the world. Moving on to the opponent. Uh, they're practicing in West Palm Beach somewhere. I'm trying to figure out where it is, but you know, it's the Patriots. They're not gonna really. It's some type of high school somewhere. They're practicing on two soccer fields, where they just finished painting the lines on it today, and they made makeshift goalposts. I think Bill Belichick is laying it on pretty thick. Okay, uh, they're not gonna be as hopeless as everybody makes it out to be. The Dolphins may boat race them on on Sunday, but this team is not. It's not a garbage fire. It can be, but there's still some talent on this team. Simon, uh, let's start on the defense. They they still have talented guys. This is a talented defense. They may have lost J.C. Jackson, but I love Jonathan Jones. I think yeah. he's a hell of a player. McCourty is still Devin McCourty. Kyle Duggar is a good player. Jalen Mills, I have my issues with Jalen Mills. I don't think he's very good. But they have enough talent. They'll present a challenge for the Dolphin offense. Yeah, Your thoughts practicing. on that Patriot defense. Yeah, they're practicing at Palm Beach Atlantic, um, which is a small school in in West Palm Beach. Look, I think they're a, I think they're a good team. I think you underestimate them at your at your peril. They're still, you know, I know there's been a lot of issues, um, but I do think you know you look at guys like Christian Barmore, who's had a yeah had some some people on on uh, OnlyFin today talking about how oh you know they haven't played very well in preseason and they didn't do very well in the joint practices. So clearly players can't have had good camps. Well, I mean, it doesn't really work like that, lads. Um, you know, you look at someone like Christian Barmore, who's apparently been outstanding in camp. You know, you look at somebody like uh, Anthony Jennings, who, you know, they've lined up, they've moved outside. Um, you look at somebody, I mean, you just mentioned him there, but apparently Jalen Mills had an outstanding camp. And, I, you know, I, I think what the Patriots are going to do is that, you know, they're going to show you 
what Bill always does, which is, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of mixing up coverages, a lot of rolled coverages. It's six, seven, maybe even eight defensive backs flooding that middle area of the field to try and take away Tyreek and Jalen and force the offensive line to prove that they can run the ball consistently. I think, you know, Bill does an amazing job of getting creative and disguising coverages and disguising where pressure is coming from. And you've got, you look at the safeties, you've got, you know, Adrian Phillips, you've got Jabril Peppers, you've got Carl Duggar. They're going to be a dangerous trio in terms of, you know, where pressure is coming from with those three. They're really interchangeable skill sets. They're versatile players. Um, so, yeah, I don't think on defense they're, they're mugs at all. I think you mentioned as well in the secondary, Jonathan Jones is a good player. They've had really impressive performances in camp from um, from the two rookies, Jack Jones and Marcus Jones, the, the kid from Houston. Uh, what I find intriguing is that I, I know that Belichick has an awful lot of respect for for Mike Shanahan. And the, the Shanahan protection system was always, certainly Bill has talked about it. I looked it up the other day, but the hardest to scout for and plan for, he said, you know, the way that Shanahan uses run blocking patterns in play action and protections, uh, I think he always found quite difficult. Um, there was a lot of respect, and and I think you 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 read through Seth Wickersham's book, and there's a there's a line in there where it says that you know the Patriots coaches in the earliest part of their dynasty had all this respect for Shanahan because he made it so hard for them to rotate coverages because he used a lot of balanced formations, and Shanahan actually went four and two against Brady and Belichick with pretty pedestrian quarterbacks. Um, but you know, if you're a heavy rotation secondary like they are. And you want to wait till after the snap to to spin it and and move about. I think McDaniel will do the same as uh, as Mike Shanahan as Kyle Shanahan does, and that's you know there'll be consequences for that. And in a way, I think you know I think Mike McDaniel could be a bit Belichickian Belichickian in that sense in terms of what he does. The, the the chess match I think between the two between the two coaches will be very interesting. You know, you've also got really good players like Devin McCourty and Matthew Judon guys. You know. Davon Godchild's played well for, for Belichick. Lawrence Guy is a good player. You know, Chris and I have talked ad infinitum about how we like Lawrence Guy. Um, you know, there are good players in that secondary and uh, good players on that defence. And I don't think it will be particularly easy uh, on Sunday. I may be shocked. I may be surprised. And, and we may just roll over them. But, you know, I always think New England are a tough, tough opponent. It doesn't matter who's playing. Uh, Chris, Patriots D. They're always going to be tough. You know, and, and I think that's that's right. But I mean, I don't know that this is the team that that defense always historically has been built from the inside out. Um, and you know, now I'm I'm wondering if they're as good inside. I hear that Christian Barmore is having a good camp. He certainly didn't show it in preseason yet, but or you know, and only a handful of snaps, whatever, you know, it's, it's, we just, I'm just saying we haven't seen it. Um, I'm going to have to see his run defense to believe it this year. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, and, and that's just, you know, I've seen, I've seen him play. Uh, I, yes, he's, he's a, he's a good pass rusher on the inside, really good. Um, but he is, he is not good against the run. And uh, I'm going to have to see uh, if I'm going to believe that. And this was, I think this was true at Alabama as well. Um, and if I'm going to believe in that turnaround, which I'm not discounting, it could have, it, it could have absolutely could be happening right now. I'm going to have to see it first. Um, and then the other guy is, is Devon Godshaw, who they're trying to talk. You know, part of the skepticism about the Patriots is, is, is listening who they're talking up, you know, 
they're talking up Devon Godshaw as if he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. He's not. Okay. They're talking up, you know, uh, Devonte Parker as if he's, you know, he's going to be the big catalyst for their offense and their pass offense. He's not, I mean, Simon, you don't even think he's going to play. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's going to be riding the bicycle, um, you know? And, and so I, I have a healthy amount of skepticism about their, their ability from inside out. Um, you know, I know that they have guys on the edge. I know that they, you know, Lawrence guy plays on the edge, but you know, he's kind of a, a three, four defensive lineman, Matthew Judon, we have respect for, right. Um, and their, their corners are playing pretty well. I do have respect for their safeties, but um, I, I just wonder if they're really built from the inside out and, uh, and, I think that Mike McDaniel, I mean, I wonder how ready Alec Ingold is going to be because Mike McDaniel is going to use the, uh, the fullback uh, in particular to create balanced formations and, and to, to do what Simon was talking about, which was, um, which was to not allow the Patriots not tip it's off. Um, I, I, how that's going to, Wonder how the middle. Honestly, the truth. So, I suppose we'll the thing see. with Barmore though is that you're not really running up the middle, are you? I mean, well, you you might be. I mean, you I mean, might be, but you know, if no, you're trying but, to establish so that, that. But that's the thing. Like it, the old. The, remember the the advent of the thirty four defense was basically to shut down outside zone. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. And and so I mean, and so Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick does have have some idea to. Sh- on, on how on shutting down outside zone. Sure. And I know that the Kyle Shanahan uh, way, I guess, you know, as far as, um, as far as how they're going to run every game uh, is, is so incredibly opponent, you know, dependent based uh, it's, it's game plan based that they're going to sit there. Uh, there there's going to be, there was a game. I, I forget which one they ran power like 15 times or something like that. I mean, this is, and that's, this is a zone. Te- this is not only a zone team an outside zone team, but here they are. They're, they're, they're now suddenly a power team. I, I think that they're going to modify their game plan according to, according to what they see with the Patriots. And so, you know, if, if the Patriots are shutting down outside zone, here comes inside zone, here comes, here comes power, here comes, you know, um, I, I, I question the Patriots up the middle. That's what, that's all. All right. Moving on to the offense. But before we do, I got the first uh, weather report for the game. Simon, uh, care to guess uh, what I'll, I'll tell you what the, the weather is like. All right. Clear skies all day, afternoon uh, thunderstorms uh, that have nothing to do with the game only for one hour. So it's going to be a brief shower in the afternoon, 91 degrees, heavy humidity, 10 mile per hour winds. So no, so no wind whatsoever. Want to guess what the shade temperature is going to be? Meaning uh, that's what the, the temperature will be if you're standing in the shade. Um, 88. No, it actually goes up if you're is in that, the shade. What? Yes. The real field shade temperature is 102 for Sunday. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> wait, wait so, so does that mean? Because you know what? Okay, because if, if I were not a Dolphins fan, I would be complaining as high up as I could go about how Miami redid the stadium <laughs> where, where the visitor side is always in the fu- freaking sun 
and the the dolphin side the home side is always in the shade so you're saying that miami has a disadvantage in the shade no it's just a little hotter it's actually a little hotter because you don't get the wind think about it so if you're out in the open you get open air so it gets it tends to cool you down a little bit i don't know i don't, I don't know about that what i know well, well all i know is it's going to be a miami it's going to be a miami day it's going to be in the 90s it's going to be high humidity and the the side the side of the field that are in the sun uh, is going to be the visitor side because Miami uh, are, are kind of cheaters that way. Um, I'll be all brilliant. Uh, it, it's brilliant. I mean, it's 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 not breaking any rules, but it is, you know. Yeah. Damn. AccuWeather um, has this thing called the real field guide. It, it might be complete bullshit. It might be something they just made up. Right. But uh, they put out like caution, like cautions. And for Sunday, they have a caution, which is very hot on the real field shade meter 101 to 107 degrees caution advised danger of heat dehydration heat stroke heat exhaustion heat cramps if if outside for extended periods and especially while doing strenuous activities <laughs> well what I, I i think that this is i think the patriots didn't just come down early because hey we're playing in miami and it's hot in miami i think they came down early because of that sunfield thing that that sideline thing where um where their sideline is going to be in the sun all the time and miami's sideline is not going to be so i think that that's why they're down here but i question whether that whole idea coming down early is is actually proven science or not i i don't know i i don't know the answer to this i'm not saying it's not it's it's a bad idea i just could see I could see equally see it being like, you know, maybe a good thing. Maybe it will work as planned, or I could see it actually just robbing the Patriots of their steam before they even get in the game. You know, like they're, they're, they're so exhausted from, from the week of practice out in the, you know, out in the sun that they're not used to, they're not used to practicing like that. And, and then they get to the game and they, they don't have anything left, you know? And, and that's, so I, I question, it's an experiment to me. Uh, I question whether it's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I guess we'll start here. Uh, Simon, what are they going to do on offense? Because it seems like they scrapped, well, according to reports, they scrapped what was going to be a change to their offense and are installing, according to Mac Jones, some of the stuff that they ran before, but a quick look at their roster. There's no fullback on this team. So how are they going to run what they ran last year? So what are they going to do on Sunday? I genuinely don't know. I don't think they're going to go back to what they've done before. I think they've spent way too much time. If they were if they were going to do it, I think they would have identified. I mean, they identified early on there were clear problems with this and they weren't being ironed out throughout training camp. I think at that point, you make a decision to go back. I think they're going to stick with the system that they've got with the wide zone and, and try and work through the problems. Um it seems to me to be bizarre when you have running backs like Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, you have the tight ends that you have, um, especially a guy like Johnny Smith, who kind of fits a little bit that Mike Gesicki role in terms of, you know, blocking, excuse me, not being his kind of forte. Um, you know, and actually they've got good talent player in terms of the individual players on that offensive line. You look at Onwenu and, and David Andrews and guys like that, there are, there's, there's talent there. Um, I, I think it's a bit strange. I think it's a bit bizarre, but I also thought it was really interesting listening to Mike McDaniel today in the press conference talking about Mac Jones. You know, he gets... Uh, it, it's a weird thing. I, I think some of the two are thing, and I, again, I don't want to go down this path again. I think some of the two are thing is race 
involved race related in terms of the way that he's treated uh and i think you know mac jones is probably find something a little beneficial in that because he's white but i also think think mac jones played significantly better than a lot of people thought he did last season um and i thought it was interesting listening to mcdaniel today who clearly studied him obviously studied him and talked about it ahead of the draft last year when they ended up picking trey lance uh, and talked a lot about what he saw and the strengths of his game and those sorts of things. Um, I don't think they have enough on offense unless I, part of me does wonder whether or not there's just going to be some absolutely mental better checks or wildcat kind of, I don't know, just backs against. It does feel like new England backs against the wall, all the pressure that they've been under all the kind of the poor performances in the preseason, the, the, the issues in training camp, the issues with, with coaches not naming a, or not even bringing in an offensive coach. Uh, an offensive mining coach to look after your second year quarterback. Um, it feels like the most better checking thing of all time, just to roll up to Miami and just pull out some sort of funky shit that we can't defend. But, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it feels to me like there's just way too much talent on that defense at all three levels. You know, whether that's a Christian Wilkins or a Zach Seed, or I, I'm expecting a monster year from Jalen Phillips, obviously Baker, the, the two moves that they made that I find most intriguing, I think, are the Flowers and Ingram moves because they're the sorts of savvy moves late on in a training camp that, um, you know, you talk about a, a Green Bay Packers making or a, a, an LA Rams making, you know, teams that were Baltimore Ravens, teams with Super Bowl aspirations who make smart moves with their front office, you know, whether that's a Eric DeCosta or a Brian Guttenkunst or whoever, you know, smart GMs who, who who generally make good decisions. And if that feels like a really, that doesn't feel like a move that the Dolphins would have made four or five years ago, but it now feels like, you know, this is a, as good a team as I can remember in maybe 20 years of the Dolphin as a Dolphins fan, or over the last 20 years of the Dolphins fan. Unfortunately, I've been a fan for much longer, but it feels like the sort of move that a team with some serious aspirations would make. You pick up a couple of smart, you know, for how many years have we talked about the Patriots picking up good players who made big impacts for them in critical moments in big games down the stretch. And if the Patriots of five, eight, ten years ago had signed Trey Flowers and Melvin Ingram late-ish on in the in, you know, in training camp at the age that they're at, we'd have all gone, wow, you know, fucking hell, Bill Belichick's pulled out of the fire again. Well, actually, it's the Dolphins that have made these two moves. So, you know, you want Byron Jones to come back healthy. He's obviously not going to be healthy this week. So big pressure on big pressure on Noah Igbenogane, but actually, you know, there's ways with which you can cover that, that, that scheme helps, all those sorts of things. Um, pressure obviously helps in terms of, you know, not keeping your, cor your corner on an island for five, six, seven, eight seconds or however long, because, you know, you're able to get constant pressure and that's what the Dolphins do so well. I I'll be intrigued to see what they do in terms of the blitzing game and, you know, whether or not, you know, it's just a Brandon Jones or whether or not, the ability to bring Javon Holland, to bring Eric Rowe and the confidence they have certainly on that side, whether they're rolling safeties in behind when they bring pressure, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, Andrew Van Ginkel obviously has a bit of a role to play. Hopefully he can build on his uh, his sacks. Shutting down the run game, I think, is very important for the Dolphins, you know, because that is an interesting and a solid running attack with with Harris and, and Stevenson. I think that's how Mac Jones will, will try and make hay. Um, they've only really got four receivers as well. Matthew Slater's listed as the fifth receiver, but they've only really got four. Um, you know, Parker, who'll be injured by the second quarter anyway. Uh, Jacoby Myers, um, Nelson Aguilar, who's, again, had a good camp, but, we, you know, we kind of know what you're getting with Nelson Aguilar. Um, I respect Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a yeah. healthy respect for him. He seems to show up when you least expect it. So, you know, uh, it, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see how it, 
how it plays out. The two tight end sets with Hunter Henry and with Johnny Smith, because, you know, Johnny Smith did not become a bad tight end overnight. He just had a bad year last year. He was excellent in Tennessee. Um, you know, those safety valve guys, we've got the guys to shut that down, whether that's a, you know, whether that's Roe, whether that's uh, whether that's um, Holland, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the Dolphins will have way too much for on defense for the Patriots offense. Yeah, uh, very briefly before we move on to to Chris to get his an- analysis on this and on who the hell is going to call the plays for them because we still don't know, by the way. Uh, Scott yeah, Zolak, think- by the way, said today that Matt Patricia will call the plays and with the input of Bill Belichick. So it'll be an interesting <laughs> dynamic. But before we move on, uh, Simon Cole Strange, that was a guy that I liked in the draft. Patriots kind of jumped the gun. Uh by all estimation, you got to think, you know, well, they kind of hit because this guy's starting from day one as the left guard, mm. but he was, I would say, overdrafted, right? Uh, but your thoughts on Cole Strange, if you've seen him play this yeah. uh, this preseason, because it looks like they hit on something at least right there. Yeah, I mean, I think he feels like uh, a bit of a uh, poor man's, who's the guy that came out of Whitewater, Wisconsin, that the Broncos took. Um, and Miners. Yeah. yeah, a little bit like a poor man squin minus. I thought he there was some bars building up to the senior bowl. I was at the senior bowl. He played pretty well, actually, held up pretty well. Um at the senior bowl. He was quite impressive. I thought he was overdrafted, but then and I'm not making a comparison for people that are about to jump down my throat, but you know, Logan Mankins was was overdrafted at the time. Um lots of people talking about Mankins being a third rounder and he went in the first round and ended up having a you know haul of very good career. Um I'm not saying that's the same trajectory for Cole Strange at all but you know you're playing next to a David Andrews I think Trent Brown's going to play left tackle um you know on when Isaiah win there is talent on that line it's just been a little bit hodgepodge with the way that they've tried to change the system um but yeah I think you know Strange is a has been a solid player feels like he was probably 30 picks overdrafted but you know uh, you have to look back at Bill Belichick's drafting record over the last few years as amazing a head coach as he's been you know, you look at the Duke Dawson's and the Joe John, Joe John Williams's and the Nikhil Harry's and you know, there's been a litany. And I think this is why the Patriots are where they are now. You know, there's been a litany of picks that they just they've missed on um, players that they just missed on, whiffed on. Um, and they're feeling the pinch of that now because that roster, you know, in certain patches looks a little bit threadbare and, and lacking in sort of, you know, they never had. And it sounds ridiculous for a team that won six Super Bowls and had arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. But, you know, they were the, it wasn't a team full of superstars. Um, but there's no Tom Brady anymore. And I think a little bit they're lacking in that, just a little bit of star quality. Uh, Chris, what the hell are they doing? Who the hell's calling the plays? Um, you know, like what are they going to do on Sunday? Well, I think it's always been Matt Patricia. I've, I've never really, I mean, I've never really bought into the, um, to the, to the misery on that. I, I that doesn't mean that I, I think that they, they're solid on that staff. Uh, but I, you know, uh, that's, that's the least of my, that's the least of my worries really with them. Or um, that's, that's the thing that I'm probably not going to criticize um, about them is They've had some. They've had some creative setups in the past with you know Bill Belichick officially being the offensive coordinator one year and you know our, our, so I think that um, whatever that's a that's a distraction that's a red herring. Um, I think that uh, if we if we're thinking about what they're going to do on offense, you have to think about what Miami is coming 
with on defense and Miami is obviously coming with an impressive defense and um and we we do have players at a lot of different places when you're talking about Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips I mean with Zach Sealer tossed in I mean and Trey Flowers on top of it you know it's 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 Jerome Baker Melvin Ingram it's Xavier Howard's going to play Nick Needham's going to play Javon Holland we know about him it's impressive, right? Um, Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones. But but where is where are they questionable right now with Byron Jones sitting out for four weeks? In Keen the secondary. Yeah, Keen Cross and Noah Benogany. They're going to have a in, bullseye in on the, the chest. In the, sec, in the secondary. In the secondary. And so I think, you know, I look at the Patriots roster and, you know, they're um, – and. Uh, I look at them, their structure up and down and who, you know, who they have on the team. And I just, I see them, I see them going with a pretty spread out attack against Miami to try and test Miami's, um, the, the acumen of Miami's defense backs. Honestly, that's, it's the, it's the biggest, uh, it's the biggest weakness and they're going to do it with short passes. They're going to do it with pick plays. They're going to do it, you know, lots of little games. Um, there's going to be screens all over the place. I, I think, I, I think that they're, they are going to challenge Miami secondary um, and their, uh, their corners. And they're going to try and get, you know, they're going to have personnel packages on the field because you're right. They don't have a fullback. The Patriots don't have, not only do they not have a fullback, they only have two tight ends on the roster. And one of them is a pseudo, you know, one of them is John U. Smith, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, so what does that tell you? You know, what does that tell you about what they're going to do last year? You know, no, John U. Smith did not have a great year. Um, but, you know, I think that they're going to they're going to put him put him wide a little bit more um, and and see, you know, see what he can do that way. I think that they're they are going to attack with Devontae Parker. Good luck, you know, keeping him on the field, obviously. But um, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne uh, and and then the running backs catching the ball. You know, I think that's going to be that's going to be offense. I, it's it's going to be I kind of. I, I see that they could attack with the running game and I would understand it if they did, because I, you know, I get it with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, but I don't necessarily get it with their offensive line, you know, uh, and, and having success that way. So um, I would not be surprised actually, if it is, if it is more spread out, if it is, you know, quicker passing lots of wide receivers, getting Miami into dime, you know, as, mm-hmm. as much as possible. And then just challenging, you know, Hey, you're only as good as the players that are on the field. And, you know, it's nice to talk about these guys, all these guys on Miami's uh, defensive line and linebackers unit and, you know, Melvin Ingram and, and, and all of those guys. Um, but what if, you know, what if they're not on the field? What if some of these guys aren't even on the field because Miami has to keep coming out and dime you know, and, and so I think that that's, uh, that's going to probably be it. And we're going to see a lot of, uh, we're going to see a lot of Dink and Duncan screens and, and stuff like that. And whether it works or not, I, I don't know. It's just Miami, Miami has to be on it with their communication because there's going to be movement. There's going to be, like I said, there's going to be picks, uh, uh, pick plays and stuff like that. They're, they're infamous for that. Um, that's what I see, but the Patriots offense, as far as that offensive line goes, Again, I think they're putting their eggs in the wrong baskets. And, and, you know, when I look at Trent Brown, as an example, you know, that is, that is not the player that a lot of people regard him to be, to be, 
and and I think that if 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 they're not careful, if the game situation gets out of their control, then we're going to see you know just how bad it can be with Trent Brown at left tackle, Isaiah Wynn at right tackle. Um, you know those the, that tackle combination because that's all that's all anybody can, uh, in New England can talk about is the the tackle combination. They're they're weak out there. Um, and if they get if, if they get in some challenging game situations, especially with Miami's defensive line, there's going to be a problem. And uh, and so you know, hopefully, hopefully Miami can do that, can put them in those game in those uh, those bad game situations. Uh, that's that's going to be on the Miami offense to to do that. All right, let's finish up here with a series of predictions. This was our season preview. That's why we went a little longer. Starting next week, we will have two episodes a week, but they will be much shorter as there will be just recaps and then previews. This was our season preview. We'll start with the first prediction. This game, I'll start it off. I have, I think um, I think it'll be closer than most people think for most of the game, and I think the Dolphins will pull away as the Patriots wilt away. And I'll, I'll, I'll give the Dolphins their four touchdowns that I, I, I keep talking about, 31 to 19 Miami Simon uh 38 16 Miami all right Chris goodness um wow you guys were you guys are really predicting a route <laughs> uh I you know I went with this before I said it uh it's going to be like a 35 point game for Miami um and on the offensive side of the ball I, I don't know if I see them getting beyond 10 because I'm not sure I just feel like I've seen this before and I'm not sure that it's going to work all right, next prediction, Simon, who plays Championship Sunday and who wins the Super Bowl this year? Last year, we were all remarkably close. If you would have put all of us together and left the, the Bengals out of this, we would have pretty much nailed it across the board because all of us had the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They lost in the AFC Championship game. Two of us had the Rams in the Super Bowl. They were in the Super Bowl. One of us had the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So we were all over it, except for the Bengals. Let's see if we could pull it off again. Simon, Championship Sunday, Super Bowl winner. Bills over maybe the Broncos, but Bills over Chargers and Packers over... I mean, if Trey Lance is any good, the 49ers, but... Packers over 49ers and Bills over Packers in the Super Bowl. All right, Chris. Oh, this is a tough one. That's ugly. Um, I'm going to say, so I, I actually am a believer in the, uh, in the Bengals. I don't think it's a coincidence with uh, what they have going on offense uh, with Joe Burrow throwing to those receivers. And it's going to be hard for me to bet against them when they start dicing people up through the playoffs. A lot of people and, aren't talking about the Bengals at all, are they? No, no, they're not, and and they really should be. And um, and I think that you know, hey, it's they did make some improvements to the offensive line. We'll see if they're if they pan out. But I mean, that team with improvements of the off on the offensive line, uh, you know, what what am I missing? Um, so Cincinnati, and I'm gonna pick the Raiders. Cincinnati and the Raiders. Cincinnati will win. Uh, over the Raiders in the AFC championship. And um, I think that uh, it's going to be in the NFC championship, it's going to be the Rams and uh, the, I mean, I just, 
I don't know that I see it with the Packers, but I, I, I do see a possibility of another Rams Buccaneers matchup in the NFC championship. And uh, this time, this time the, uh, the Buccaneers will win. And I think that in the Super Bowl, it's going to be the Cincinnati uh, Bengals versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And gosh, would win that. Um, I'd have to go with the Buccaneers. All right. Uh, I like, uh, I like two teams to meet in the Super Bowl that, you know, on paper had the biggest losses in free agency. So I got the Packers beating the Eagles in the NFC Championship game with a refocused Aaron Rodgers. And in the AFC, I do have the Dolphins going on a magical run, but losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I believe losing Tyreek Hill will focus Patrick Mahomes, and he could have an MVP season this year. And we finally do get... Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers wins and rides off into the sunset retires the next day after winning his second Super Bowl. All right. The last prediction, Simon, how many wins for the dolphins? Where does their season end? Um, 10 or 11. And if they get into the playoffs, I think divisional round. All right. Well, you kind of heard mine. Well, you got to you got to pick ten or eleven. You can't yeah, you pick, pick one. Okay. Um, I've got to pick ten or eleven. Okay. Um, I'm going to say eleven. Fuck it. Mm. Live a little. All right. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I think eleven. I think eleven is the number, and I think they do have that run and get beaten by the the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I think that's where their season ends. Chris, how many wins? Where does their season end? I'm going to say, I'm going to make this easy. A uh, new head coach is usually worth an average, is historically worth an average of two extra wins over the previous season, even when they take over a winning team. So I'm going to go with 11 wins. And, and I think that they're going to win a wild card playoff game and get into the division round and exit after that uh, on the first, uh, you know, think they're gonna win all right that's it uh try to enjoy the game on sunday should be a lot of fun uh it's highly anticipated i don't remember a season opener being this hype uh enjoy it we will be back with you on monday when we'll recap the offense patriots but till then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.